0: I first met my wife some 22 years ago. Shortly thereafter I was warmly welcomed into the annual family deer camp. They must have seen the hook in my mouth that escaped me at the time because they were very guarded about access to the property, and no one outside of the family hunted it with rare exception. One of the first things her uncle proudly showed me was the family collection of stone points. I recall counting at least 75 distinct pieces, if not more. I am by no means an expert on the subject, but from the limited research I've done the collection represented a broad range of time from the Neolithic to the Woodland Indian period. I was of course curious why he would show me these points prior to my first opening day of deer season with my soon-to-be-in-laws. The question was answered when he told me, I'm showing you this so you understand there are things you won't understand at times when you're out there. I had no idea what this meant until one turkey season some four or five years later. Mind you, I had archery and gun hunted the property many times in those first few years with good success. I had never been truly scared when on stand before daylight or waiting for dark to climb down so I wouldn't scare the deer lingering in the fields. Sure, I was creeped out a few times due to my own imagination, but nothing like what I experienced that April dusk. I had been out for a couple hours before dark, trying to pattern the birds and see where they were roosting. My plan was to find that out and come out the next morning ready to bust a nice gobbler right after fly down. Of course, the birds ended up roosting on the far southwest corner of the property, about as far you could get from where my truck was parked on the north end near the old stagecoach Ford area, just south of the house. The sun had just set as I neared the Ford area. I was maybe 200 yards from the ford when I saw what I thought was a light on a boat close to the opposite river bank. As I got closer, I heard splashing and saw the light bob back and forth. No big deal until I heard the distinct sound of horse leather and metal bits and pieces clinking and squeaking, along with a low voice alternately calling what sounded like gee and haw. Before you ask how do I know that what that means and sounds like... I grew up on a farm and my father had a team of ponies that he used in pulling competitions. I also had two uncles that had Belgian draft horses. They showed at county fairs and pulled wagons in what seemed like every small town's festival parade for 40 miles around. I can't tell you how many times growing up I saw pony pulling competitions or tossed candy out of a wagon in a parade. Back to the lights and sounds, I didn't really process it at first. I kept thinking those are weird sounds to be coming from someone night fishing. My truck was parked about 125 yards more or less due west from the ford on the two-track that led up the hill and out to the road. As I got closer, the light and sounds seemed as if they were crossing the river, heading toward the back area of the house, old stagecoach stop. The closer I got, the dimmer the light got and the quieter the splashing, voices and creaking and clinking became. I don't know when the light went out or the sounds died away, because at this point I had stopped walking and was running at a pace that would shame Forrest Gump. I made it to my truck in record time, started it up, and flew up the two-track and out to the road, quivering like a scared child. I have worked in law enforcement for the past 20 years. I began working for the sheriff's department, later moving to local police. I now work for the state police, but the following story happened during my time in local police department. For a period of time, I worked on patrol, usually spent most of my time on duty in the car or just generally outside. I used to work the night shift for a very long time, but it did get a little lonely at times. I would clock in at 10 p.m., and specifically this one night, my department sent me into a part of the city that I rarely ever went to. It was mostly peaceful, especially during the night, so I thought this would be a quiet shift. I slept well before coming to work, so with some coffee, I was pretty well rested and alert and ready. It became a habit of mine, so much that I had trouble staying awake for those rare occasions I worked morning shifts or during the day. I was also a single man at the time, so I could very easily adapt to my schedule, whatever my supervisor needed me to do. I clocked in that night, and everything was going smoothly. Most of the people were still awake and out and about, most returning to their homes, calling it a night. The first couple of hours passed pretty quickly. At around 12.30, it became very quiet. I kept driving around the city and checking that everybody was getting out of the streets. I drove for about an hour or two, and I came upon a group of kids, about five teenagers, sitting in a park smoking cigarettes. After telling them to go home and quit smoking, I moved on with my job. A few blocks away, I came across a man stumbling in the street. I stopped next to him, asking him if he was okay or needed help. He told me that he'd had a bit too much to drink, but he was on his way home. Apparently, He lived across the street from where I stopped him. I let him go, watching him get inside. It took him a couple of minutes, but he eventually made it inside. I was on my way once again. This time of the night, we would usually receive complaints of loud parties, sometimes domestic disturbances. Tonight, however, was a bit different, and quite frankly, I was getting more bored by the minute. I heard some partners of mine go out and purposely try to open the doors of various businesses, making sure they're properly locked. I was considering trying it to pass the time. If I had managed to get into the building, then I would have found a weakness and informed the owners. I was about to park my car and go out to check on a store when I heard the dispatcher calling out to everybody. I responded to the call. She reported that there had been a strange person wandering the streets moving from alley to alley. My initial thoughts were it was probably somebody who was intoxicated. I would have to take him home or put him in the drunk tank. Well, I was very, very wrong. I arrived at the scene where they were last seen. It was a really cold night outside, and I was beginning to wonder if they had fallen asleep in one of the three small alleys right beside the main road. I decided to search each of them, starting from the first one. I drew out my gun and a flashlight and entered the first alleyway. It was pitch black. I shook a light in and saw that it was short and it ended with a wall. There was nobody there. I moved on to the second one. It was similar to the first, except this one had a few trash cans. I slowly moved towards them. I slowly moved towards them. They looked like drops of blood around them. I'm still not sure what the dark liquid was but it looked like blood to me. I reported what I saw and moved to the final alleyway. I know that by this point whoever it was was probably gone, but I had to take a look. I walked into the third alley and was genuinely surprised to find somebody there. I suspected that it had been the person reported. I announced myself and approached them. It was a tall skinny man, he was bald and very pale. He was also hiding his face, but not in a way to hide his face from me, and more like covering his eyes because the bright light bothered him. I managed to get a glimpse of his left eye. I think that my shock encouraged him to show me his entire face. I calculated my mistakes here as well as my opportunities for the course of action. My first mistake was that he was not a he in the first place, or even human. He had bright yellow eyes and a large mouth with multiple sets of sharp teeth protruding out. Look, my sister is really into Halloween and contact lenses for various costumes. I can tell a contact lens from a real eye. They were real and glowing. He or it opened its mouth, and I could see it also had these two fang-like teeth. My guess is that the blood I found before came from this person or creature or it. I also guess it was hurt. I had a feeling that human flesh was on its menu, but it had not yet attacked me. I heard my backup come right before alleyway, and I slowly backed out to meet them, carefully keeping my eye on it. However, I took my eyes off it for roughly 10 seconds when my colleagues and I walked into the alleyway, and whatever you want to call it was gone. I don't know how it could have slipped up so fast, but it did. Instead, I took a sample of that blood-like liquid from before. And took it to our labs for testing. The results came back really messed up. It was inconclusive. It appeared to be unidentified DNA. It's been about six or seven years since the incident, but the memory of it still sends chills down my spine. The area around Lost Lake in Oregon has grown and changed over the years but I can still recall that fateful day as if it were yesterday. I had set up camp at Lost Lake and spent my days exploring the beautiful surroundings as I had done countless times before. On this particular day, I was hiking around the area and I came across a small creek crossing and a little ravine about 200 yards behind the local store. As I stood there, I found myself gazing at what appeared to be a fallen tree with the broken stump about six feet up. There were some odd features on it, dark patches, that resembled eyes and arms coming across a leg, as if someone was sitting in a crouched position. It was around 3 p.m., so I figured the strange appearance could have been due to the lighting and the shadows cast by the trees. Still, I thought it looked cool and wanted to capture the scene with my camera. I didn't have my camera with me, so I placed a pile of rocks directly across from the fallen tree to mark the spot and ran back to my campsite to grab it. It took me about fifteen minutes to retrieve my camera and return to the location. Upon arriving back at the spot, I immediately noticed that my pyramid of rocks had been knocked over. A sudden sense of unease washed over me as I scanned the area. To my disbelief, the fallen tree that I had seen earlier was gone no branches, no stump, nothing worth taking a picture of. Confused, I searched the area, thinking that perhaps I was looking at it from the wrong angle. However, the only thing I found across the creek was a completely ordinary scene that couldn't have been what I had seen earlier. A few days later, I returned to Portland, Oregon, and the incident was mostly forgotten. That is, until I saw a news report stating that there had been sightings of Bigfoot in the same area where I had been camping. The realization hit me like a ton of bricks had I unknowingly stumbled upon a Bigfoot resting in the woods, and had it knocked over my pile of rocks to erase any trace of its presence. I couldn't shake the feeling that something extraordinary had happened, and the thought of it made my heart race with both excitement and fear. I have never gone camping at Lost Lake again. The memory of that day, the strange fallen tree that vanished, and the unsettling news report will forever haunt me. While working as a park ranger, I had an experience with the supernatural. It was a scary ordeal, I must confess. A group of hikers had gotten lost in the woods and my fellow rangers, and I had decided to scout out the area. We got the general direction from the report that was made by their own families. Heading off in the direction... We drove until we got to the entrance of the woods where they had last made contact with their families according to the report. We parked the car just outside the woods and proceeded to search for them. We had searched for a better part of the day without anything to show for it. It was late in the evening already and we had walked deep into the woods. I was feeling uneasy with every step we took. It was as if there was a terrifying monster hidden within the woods. A sense of terror suddenly engulfed me, making me break out in cold sweat. I glanced at my colleague who seemed to have sensed nothing as his expression was as usual. I could not put my finger on it, but something eerie was happening in the woods. Suddenly, we began seeing strange markings, words written in an unknown language, different depictions on trees. What was strange was the fact that my colleague, for some reason, was unaware of everything, It was like he was in another dimension. He was detached from his surroundings. It was in that moment that it hit me. A dimension. Had he mistakenly stepped into a dimensional portal? Was that how hikers had gotten lost? Had they stepped into it as well? If they had, that would explain the disappearance and why we were unable to find traces of them. It was, of course, a mind-blowing theory, so I wanted to test it out. I moved closer to my colleague, attempted to touch him. My hands went right through him, like he did not exist. I could see him, but I couldn't touch him, and I called out his name, hoping to get his attention and alert him to the danger we were in. I called out his name several more times, even radioed him, yet he continued walking deeper into the woods like a puppet on its string being pulled. After my futile attempts, I proceeded to search for the missing party on my own. I came across so many skeletons and bones piled up into a small mountain. At this point, the terror in my heart had reached its peak. I resisted the urge to scream. I beat a hasty retreat and stepped on numerous bones in the process. What scared me was that the bones did not let out the usual crunch sound after being stepped on. Rather, they simply crumbled into dust. I cannot help but wonder how long these bones had been buried there. This took my mind to the missing hikers. Were they already bones, or were they alive like me, terrified and hopeless? I was at my wit's end already, and I could not help but feel despair. I glanced at my wristwatch to check the time, but what I saw shocked me. Time moves faster here. I had barely spent two hours in the woods, yet my wristwatch was displaying a date that was two days ahead. Two hours equal two days her. At this rate, my lifespan would run out before whatever was lurking around would kill me. At this point, all I had in my mind was how to escape this hellhole that I had somehow gotten myself into. All thoughts of searching and rescuing the lost hikers did not cross my mind at this point. All I could think of was how to get out of my situation. My mind was in chaos, disoriented, and I could not think straight. Just when I thought things could not get any worse... I began hearing voices and the feelings of being stalked overwhelmed me. I could feel something or someone watching me, and the thought of that made me panic. There was nothing scarier than the unknown, especially in a place such as this. I kept on walking, and my nerves were taut and on edge, ready to react to any situation. I moved on without a sense of direction, hoping to luckily find an exit or something. Glancing at my wristwatch... I saw to my utter dismay I had spent close to a week now trapped in this place. While I was aware that time was moving faster, things would be different as long as I found an exit. It did nothing to comfort me. I had no idea when I would find an exit out of this dimension. By the time I had spent a couple of months, I, through a stroke of luck, was able to find a way out. The moment I stepped out, my walkie-talkie buzzed incessantly. People have been trying to reach me and even my colleague. I radioed my colleague but got no reply. I knew he was still trapped in there and there was no hope for him to get out. He was not even aware. My story caused a sensation and I was rushed to the hospital for tests and examinations. The doctor confirmed that my cells had gone through rapid aging and my cells had grown older than they should have. I would have had to have been placed on a special diet to prolong my lifespan. A few weeks later, the missing hikers were found. However, all of them had lost their youthful appearance, which further boosted the authenticity of my story. Despite getting intensive medical care, all hikers died mysteriously afterwards. My colleague disappeared, and I was told to keep quiet. The entire case was shut down before the press could even get out, and no public knowledge ever became aware. Once, my mom and I were driving to Las Vegas from Santa Clarita. We were just passing Barstow and on the I-15. It was right about high noon and very hot. Not a cloud in the sky. She had a fancy Lexus at the time with a touch screen console on the dash that could play DVDs while driving. I remember we were on a long stretch of road with a lot of space between cars on the highway. One minute we see nothing ahead of us, and then all of a sudden, a woman was walking across the highway right in front of our vehicle. My mom swerved behind her and barely missed her. She pulled off to the shoulder, and we look behind us, and we see her go all the way across the highway, including westbound traffic. Then she turned around and walked all the way across again. Each time, nearly getting clipped by an unsuspecting and oncoming car like ourselves. At one point, a semi-truck almost hit her head on missing her by literally one step. Each step she took was a steady and confident step, looking ahead of her and never batting an eye to any oncoming traffic. She was barefoot, mind you, and walking on the boiling asphalt with zero sense of urgency. So my mom calls 911, we're directed to highway patrol, They say they've received numerous reports, and they're headed out to it. My mom decided after hanging up to slowly reverse down the shoulder to get a better look and see if she's okay, yes, I know, stupid in more than one way. As we get to a spot behind her now, she's crossed the highway and is now in front of our vehicle. This part I will never forget. The woman slowly turns her head and looks at us, and is now slowly but steadily walking towards our car. She was white as day in every way. White nightgown, pale, dry, wrinkled skin, white hair, and the palest bluish-gray eyes I've ever seen in barefoot. Almost looked like a Walking Dead version of Rose Dawson from Titanic. I was in the passenger seat, which was on the shoulder. When my mom made eye contact, she froze, absolutely shut down. I remember the woman walking so close to my door, I could see her eyes make contact with mine. It looked as if she was blind and lifeless, but could not just see me, but see into and through me like into my soul. I went cold immediately. She reached for my door handle, and I remember screaming at my mom to punch the gas, and without hesitation, she came to quick, and we peeled out of there. In the back window, I saw her watch us speed off and then continue to cross the road again. A mile down the highway, we called Highway Patrol to see what happened, and they didn't have a clue what we were talking about and said they got no reports of a woman crossing the highway. My mom to this day still doesn't remember the time between when we reversed to when we dipped out. I have no idea what happened that day except for what I witnessed and experienced. I was around 18 to 20 years old, Sometime in 2008, when my life took a turn towards the extraordinary. I was sitting in the back seat of the family car, cruising down the highway with my parents up front. The day was calm, and there was no wind to speak of, except for the air rushing past our car as we sped along at 60 miles per hour. As we drove between two large hills, each about 50 feet tall, I noticed something peculiar atop one of the hills. It appeared to be an all-black, metallic structure resembling a hot air balloon, but with some significant differences. There was no basket, and the material seemed to be made of metal with a matte black finish that didn't reflect any sunlight. The strangest part was the way it moved. It zipped around like the UFOs you see in movies, going at least 100 miles per hour in different directions, turning upside down and sideways with incredible speed. My parents and I were not the only ones who noticed it. Several cars had pulled over to the side of the highway, with people standing outside, staring in awe at the mysterious object. My mom and dad were just as baffled as I was, admitting that they had never seen anything like it before. My dad tried to rationalize it, suggesting that it might be a fallen weather balloon, but after searching for images of weather balloons on Google, we concluded that it looked nothing like one. Someone else I told this story to suggested that it could have been a broken hot air balloon, but the rigid, metallic structure clearly ruled out that possibility. The sighting left a lasting impression on me, and over the years, I've become more and more interested in uncovering the truth behind that mysterious object. I've attended UFO conferences, read countless books and articles, and even joined online forums dedicated to discussing sightings and encounters. Although I've heard many similar stories from people all over the world, I've never been able to find a definitive explanation for what I saw that day. The incident has left me with a sense of wonder and curiosity, pushing me to continue exploring the unknown and questioning the limits of human understanding. As the years have passed, I've come to accept that I may never know the true nature of that strange object on the hill. But the experience has shaped my life opening my mind to the possibility that there are still mysteries out there, waiting to be discovered. This was last year. I was living with my grandmother at the time. We had no neighbor to the left because we were at the end of a street, but on the right was a man named Rick. Rick always gave me bad vibes. He would do weird shit like sing really, really loudly. So loudly we could clearly hear it into our house. He also had about ten pit bulls in his garage, which was weird in itself, but not once did I see him take even one on a walk. Poor dogs. This is the thing that got to me the most. One of my friends that had moved to Long Beach kind of along with me came over to chill one day. She parks her car and I run out to greet her because I'm annoying like that. And she sees Rick loading something into his car and she goes... Oh my god, I know him. That's the creepy guy who hit on me and insert friend's name here while we were walking out of a store. Apparently, he has told them that he had just moved to the area and needed cute girls to hang out with. That bugged me because Rick had lived in that house for at least five years. I confronted him about it one day, and he was just super creepy about it, so I walked away and sort of let it be. I moved away eventually... But just a few weeks ago i was browsing the internet when i found an article about the guy who played the red power ranger murdering his roommate at the bottom of the article showed a picture of the man and what do you know creepy ass rick's face a couple of years ago i decided to take my large dog a 175 pound rottweiler mastiff a walk at a nearby state park. The park had many trails, but I chose the less traveled ones to avoid frequent interruptions from curious people wanting to pet my dog or ask questions. We walked across the top of the dam and through the woods, crossing a large valley and entering another set of woods. We didn't encounter any other walkers along the way. In the second set of woods, the trail was narrow, and I walked behind my dog." The trees were dense, and the vegetation along the edges of the trail reached my shoulders. As we approached a bird-watching stand, my dog suddenly stopped, growling and baring his teeth. He became increasingly agitated, looking like a scene from Kyujo. I couldn't see anything that could have triggered his reaction. After calming him down, I managed to drag him to the edge of the woods. As I stood there catching my breath... I spotted a man dressed in black creeping out of the woods. Feeling alarmed, I reported him to the ranger service. They caught him shortly after, hiding in the woods with a hunting knife and duct tape. I had been living in this house by myself for a few months, and it wasn't long before I started to notice some strange occurrences. Every night at precisely 10 p.m., I would hear the unmistakable sounds of cat toys like the jingling of bells followed by footsteps in the living room it was unnerving to say the least and i made it a habit to lock myself in the bedroom each night to avoid any potential encounters with whatever might be lurking in the shadows as a naturally paranoid person i was always sure to lock and bolt every door in the house whenever i arrived home i couldn't shake the feeling that something wasn't quite right But I had no choice but to carry on with my daily routine. One evening, as I was getting ready for bed, I heard a series of loud, heavy footsteps outside my room, followed by what sounded like a door slamming shut. Fear gripped me as I hesitantly turned on all the lights in the house and ventured out to investigate. My dog was in the living room, lying on the couch and staring at me with an unnerving intensity as I discovered that the front door was wide open. Panic set in, and I couldn't help but feel as if someone or something was toying with me. Whenever I shared my experiences with others, no one seemed to believe me. They dismissed my stories as the product of an overactive imagination, but I knew what I had heard and seen. It wasn't until my boyfriend spent the night at my place that someone else finally witnessed the strange phenomena that plagued my home. That night, as we lay in bed, My boyfriend heard the familiar sounds of footsteps and what seemed like dog paws in the living room. He initially brushed it off, assuming it was just my dog wandering around, but when he realized that the dog was fast asleep beside us in bed, his skepticism turned to genuine concern. The incidents continued to haunt me for the duration of my stay in that house, and to this day, I still can't fully explain what was happening." The memories of those eerie nights remain etched in my mind, serving as a chilling reminder that sometimes the unknown can be far more terrifying than anything we could ever imagine. When I was eight, I had one of those life size rag dolls with yarn hair. One night I woke up, and she was waving her arms around while placed on my beanbag. I know it's not malicious. I know it sounds crazy. I know it sounds like I was dreaming. But I wasn't. She was moving around all by herself. To this day I don't F with dolls. Edit. So when I saw her moving I got super scared and hid under my blanket for like 10 minutes with my heart racing frozen in fear building up the courage to run out of my room. Eventually I ran out of my room to get my parents whose bedroom was downstairs and my dad came and got the doll and put her in the living room. I was too scared to sleep in my room, so I went to sleep in my brother's bed, which I would do when I had bad dreams and stuff. We heard farting and magazine pages flipping, and at first thought it was my dad. It was like 4 a.m. at this point, who just couldn't go back to sleep. But when we were yelling out for my dad, he didn't answer. So we were like, oh my god, it's Samantha the doll. Since I was with my big brother, I was brave and we started shouting at her from his bedroom, saying we weren't scared, and we were going to kill her and all this El Mao. I was so traumatized by this living doll, though that my parents brought her to my nana's house. It was a Christmas gift from a family friend that I didn't want to get rid of because I felt bad and didn't want the doll to come back and be mad at me. But I would go for sleepovers at my nana's multiple times every year, and when I would go... She would take the doll out of the playroom and put it in the back room and lock the door. It was always so hard to fall asleep, but the dog would always sleep with me, which would help. Fast forward when I was 15 and having a ton of mental health issues unrelated to the doll lull, and a new med ended up making me have some paranoia and see a few things including a little girl a few times. My aunt was upset over my struggles and hearing the little girl visuals, she went to my nana's took the doll, and burned it in the backyard to end my fear of it once and for all. So that's the full story and what happened with the doll. I really hope this doesn't get buried. I swear on my mother's grave and my future children's graves that this happened. When I was around the age of sixteen-ish, me and my younger sister twelve were sitting at the dinner table alone. My mom had just left the house after she had served us our dinner. She served us fish, something we really hated. We were sitting at the table just miserably staring at our food, not talking and reluctant to eat, but knowing we had to or else our mother would get angry at us. It was a small square table near the entrance of our apartment and my sister was sitting to the left of me. Across from me was an empty chair, All of a sudden, the chair across the table from me started rocking back and forth, pivoting from the back two legs of the chair. I initially thought that my sister was rocking the chair with her foot. It was the only logical explanation. I turned to my left to see if I noticed any movement from my sister. She's just staring at me with a serious expression and is still as a rock, absolutely no movement from her. The chair, however, is still rocking. It doesn't get more cliche than this, but I got up and started to lean down to see what was moving the chair, and of course, the chair stops moving. I have asked my sister every year since then if she was lying about not rocking the chair, and she has not gone back on her word to this day. So ghosts exist, I guess. Edit. I know some people are downvoting because most paranormal ghost stuff is Cap, but to be honest, even after that happened... Even I had a hard time believing it happened myself as weird as it sounds, and I lived it. There's no just no other logical explanation to explain why that happened. That wasn't the only time weird shit happened in that apartment, either, so I honestly wasn't surprised at that point. It just wasn't as clear-cut like that before. So, little bit of background... I am from Spain, with family from Italy. This story is 100% true. Me, my dad, and my brother are all three familiar with camping, nature, etc. We don't get scared easily, and we aren't really superstitious or whatever. Also, excuse me for any grammatical errors I might make in this, English is not my first language. Now, the story. This happened in 2010, I believe. I was eight years old then. And we were on summer vacation in Italy, in the region of Tuscany, where some of our family is from. We, brother, dad, and me were hiking in the country, far away from any towns or any other form of big civilization. We were not very familiar with this route, though. All of a sudden, we stumble across what looks like an abandoned Tuscan farmhouse. Not very big, though. We all look around and yell, asking whether there was someone. It looked very abandoned. The door was missing, plants all growing over the place. Safe to say, no one lived there. So, since we love adventure, and it didn't seem like a bad plan to do with two children, we decide to take a look at the place. As we are going to enter the house, out of nowhere comes a barn owl flying out of the house. It was dark in there, so we had a quick scare, but nothing too bad. It's just an owl right? Now we enter the house and we just find the typical stuff you would imagine to find when you're in an abandoned house. Cutlery and plates on the ground, a candle, some old paintings, nothing really valuable though. Now we see an old wooden ladder that leads up to a hole in the ceiling. It was not a very big hole, my father couldn't fit to give you an idea. He is like six feet two and so since I was the oldest of the two kids, I would go up and tell them what I saw upstairs. Now I went up the ladder and got in a room where I could see barely because the windows were covered with wood boards, so I could make out some stuff by a few sun rays that would get in through the gaps. I could see graffiti signs typical for an abandoned house right. And I saw another room, so I told my father and brother that I would advance to there and see what was up. As I opened the rotten wooden door, I immediately stood still. A disgusting, rotten smell penetrated my nose. I almost had to throw up. I wanted to know what caused this bad smell. Then, in the corner of the room, I could make out a silhouette. I got closer to investigate what it could be, and I could barely make out that it was the lifeless body of a dog, a big dog. And spicy detail, the body was skinned. No fur, nothing. Just pure rotting flesh in the shape of a big dog. I don't remember how long I just stood there frozen, but I woke up from my shock with the screams of my brother because apparently the barn owl had gotten back inside the house and it almost hit him. So my dad yelled at me to come back and I gladly obeyed. When I got back downstairs I told him what I had seen and the look he gave me was that of a man who is scared to shit but doesn't want to admit it in order to not scare his young kids. He just got close to my ear and whispered to run. We ran out of that place and never got back or even close to the route leading to it. Now it might not be very scary compared to other stories on this page or very backwoods related, but I thought I'd give it a go since someone said they wanted to hear stories from outside the northern American sphere. It was still in the country part and there were woods around it though. I am sorry in advance for my English.